So now we want, I want you to turn with me, please, to the book of Acts, chapter number 16, and verse number 16. Acts, chapter 16, and verse number 16. Now I'm going to preach you a message this morning on the simplicity of salvation. I got to thinking about that this week, about how simple salvation is that even a child can understand. And I want us to, I want us to look at that this morning, Acts chapter number 16. I want you to understand as we turn here that salvation is so simple that even a child can understand how to be saved. The way to be saved is the Spirit of God reveals the truth about us it reveals the truth about Christ. The Spirit of God shows us our sin, shows us the Savior, and that is the way of salvation. When I realize I'm the sinner, he's the Savior, and I come to him in repentance, that is the plan of salvation. Jesus said, suffer the children and forbid them not, and let them come to me, for such is the kingdom of heaven. Thank God. Now, after you get saved, the Christian life can be complicated. Somebody say amen. I mean, you've got to discern God's will. You've got to try to do right. You've got to deem the truth. You've got to dodge the devil. You've got to stop doing wrong. That can get complicated sometimes. But I'm glad that salvation is very simple. Thank God. Let me ask you a question. Would God send his son into the world and then make the process of salvation so complicated that only the smart could get it? No. Would God send his son to die on an old rugged cross and then make everything in such a series of steps that only the crafty or only the, the wise or only the rich or the wealthy? No, God sent his son and made salvation so simple that if I just realize I'm the sinner, he's the savior, repent of my sins, trust him, place my faith in his cross, in his blood, I can be saved. A child can do that. Amen. A child can understand that. Hey, you better watch these groups and fraternities that tell you they're going to initiate you into something. Let me tell you something. If somebody initiates you, they become your master. Amen. Amen. And Jesus said, a man cannot serve two masters. He'll love the one and hate the other. Jesus said, call no man master. Let me tell you something about salvation. I'm not here to initiate anybody. I'm here to preach Jesus Christ, and he'll save you, praise God. Amen. That's the simplicity of the gospel. He'll be your master. He'll be your Lord. The Bible says about Christ in Mark chapter 12 that the common people heard him gladly. He wasn't there to try to build some program. He wasn't there to try to make some committee. He wasn't there to try to build some fraternity. The common people heard him gladly because Jesus spoke the truth and showed us the way of salvation. Praise God. So we don't initiate. We get people to Christ. Amen. Just a simple, straight forward message of truth. Amen. Let's stand. I'm through with the introduction. Here we go. Acts 16. Stand with me as we reverence the Bible. We're going to read 15 verses here quickly. Here we go. I'm going to read quickly. You pay attention. Acts 16, 16. The Bible says, and it came to pass as we went to prayer. This is Paul and Silas. A certain damsel possessed with a spirit of divination, divination met us which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying, that is, predicting the future or fortune-telling. The same followed Paul and us, crying, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which shew unto us the way of salvation. 
And this she did many days. But Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the Spirit, he didn't speak to the woman, he spoke to the Spirit, and said, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ, come out of her. And he came out that same hour. And when her masters saw that the hope of their gains was gone, they caught Paul and Silas and drew them unto the marketplace under the rulers and brought them unto the magistrates, saying, These men being Jews do exceedingly trouble our city and teach customs which are not lawful to receive, neither to observe, being Romans. And the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates rent off their clothes and commanded to beat them. And when they had laid on many stripes upon them, don't read that too fast, when they had laid many stripes upon them, they think of a public beating there. Take a minute and just think about being strapped to a post in public and beaten for serving the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible goes on to say they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely, who having received the charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed, praise God, and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bands were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, on awaking out of his sleep and seeing the prison doors open, drew his sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had fled. But Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, Do thyself no harm, for we're all here. Then he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them out and asked this question, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thy house, and thou shalt be saved. Father, would you take the message and speak to our hearts this morning. Give us our attention for just a small period of time that we might preach the word of God. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. Here we find a damsel of divination. This is a young woman who had got into the occult. She had got into Ouija boards. She'd got into horoscopes. She'd got into the devil's things. And the next thing you know, she had a spirit of divination. That means she could predict the future. And let me tell you something. The Bible bears out that the demonic spirits can do that. There is power in serving the devil. Amen. Amen. And so she had a power, and she brought her masters much gain. In other words, they used her information of the future to gamble. They used her future of the information to do business. They used, they used all that for their gain. Let me tell you something. The devil wants to use you. All he wants to do is get something out of you. He wanted to use that young lady and just use her for all these evil things. He wanted to, to her, for her to be used of her masters to, to, uh, to bring them great gain. My goodness, the devil wants to make a slave out of you, friend. But let me tell you something about I'm talking about the simplicity of salvation. It's easy for a young person, you hear me, it's easy for a young person today to get caught up in the things of the devil. The devil is trying to steal our youth at a young age. They're reading Harry Potter. They're watching demonic things. They're playing demonic things on video games. You better believe the devil will make it easy for your young people to get involved in the occult. 
And yet the simplicity of salvation is this, that Jesus Christ desires to save. Jesus Christ desires to set them free instead of enslave them. Jesus Christ desires to take their sin, to give them a place in heaven. Hey, that's what salvation is, and it's just as simple as falling off a log. Amen. Thank God. She brought her masters much gain. Boy, she got around Paul. And watch this. Every time Paul and Silas come along, there was something inside of her that would predict and say, these are the servants of the Most High God that show us the way of salvation. You know what she was doing? She was predicting her own future. Because that young lady was about to get saved. Paul was about to get aggravated at that demon and turn around and tell that thing to flee. I wish I had that power. Boy, I tell you what, there's some people in my life Instead of smacking them upside the head, I just like to look inside of them and say, you've got a demon, get out of there. Praise. My life would go a lot better. Amen. I wish I had that power. And so he cast that demon out. Even though that demon was being used for soothsaying, even though that demon was even revealed, you think about that. Paul and Silas with the power of God so much that even demons revealed who they were. And so, boy, that dug into their pocketbooks. Let me tell you something. People will let you play church all you want to till you get in their pocketbooks. That's exactly why the casino brought in $37 million last week, and they don't like us for preaching against it. But I'm going to preach against it till hell freezes over. Yes, sir, praise God. I don't care whose pocketbook it gets in. So Paul, when he cast out that demon, then uh, they got mad. Well, they lost their gain. And so they delivered Paul and Silas to the warden, and they they were impudent about it, and they they beat them, and they said, Warden, you put these guys in the deepest, darkest part of the prison, and don't you let them go. And so they were incarcerated. Now I want you to imagine this. They were incarcerated in the middle middle of the prison, it's basically the dungeon. It's dark, it stinks, it's nasty, it's filthy. We even read where the guy had to, the warden had to bring in a light. I mean, listen, you wouldn't want to be in there. And I could just see now, if you don't mind, mind me using my imagination just a little bit, I can just see Paul and Silas sitting in the middle of that prison. They've been beaten. They're dirty. They're bloody. They're hurting. They can't sleep. And I can just hear Paul say, Silas, and this didn't happen. And I could hear Paul say, Silas, you awake? Yeah, who could sleep in this nasty place? Silas, what's going on? I don't know, Paul. I thought we were supposed to be blessed for preaching the gospel. I thought, I thought it was supposed to be hunky-dory and we were supposed to be prosperous and successful. I, I thought if we preached the God, I didn't sign up for this part of the job, Paul. I mean, I'm miserable. I can't sleep. My back hurts. Why did God allow this to happen? It makes no sense. That is not what was said. Here's what was said. And I'm still going to use my imagination. Paul says, hey, Silas, you sleepy? No, I'm sitting here thinking about what a joy it is to serve the Lord. I'm sitting here thinking, Paul, that how Christ was beaten for us, and now we get to be beaten for him. And and Paul says, you mean Silas? Wait a minute. Now that beating, that didn't steal your joy? He says, no. You, You mean this imprisonment? You're still happy and you still got a song in your heart? And Silas says, I'm ready to sing. And Paul says, Silas... Well, what do you want to sing? When we all get to heaven? No, let's not sing that one. What, what about 
What about what a friend we have in Jesus? Nah. What about the old rugged cross? And Paul says, nah. What? You know, that makes me think of the suffering. And then all of a sudden Paul says, let's sing victory in Jesus. Let's not look back. Let's look forward. Let's sing victory in Jesus. And the Bible says in that filthy, dirty, rat-infested, corruptible place, they began to sing praises unto God. And the Bible says that the prisoners, now the warden didn't hear him. He's out on the outside. And the Bible said the prisoners heard them. I'm going to tell you something. God will get glory if you'll give him glory in the worst part of your life. And, he, and boy, I tell you, listen, I tell you who else heard that song? God did. And he said, listen, I hear them boys down there singing. He said, we're going to do something about that. He said, call for that earthquake angel back there. You say, you've still got your imagination running. No, do you know God's got an earthquake angel? i got scripture for it. The Bible says in Matthew 28, And behold, there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and rolled the stone away. That was at the death of the, uh, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. There's your earthquake angel. And God said, turned around and said, that earthquake angel back yonder, how long has it been since we employed him? And somebody said, well, when Jesus got, got up out of the tomb, he shook the whole place and rolled the stone away. God said, send him down to that jail. And that old warden, when that place shook, that woke the warden up. Amen. He heard the first jailhouse rock, praise God. <laughs> yes, sir. And he sprang in with this light. And the Paul says, hey, don't kill yourself. There's no, need, there's no need for more blood shed here. I mean, we're just singing praises unto God and nobody's escaped. Nobody's run away. And boy, that jailer, listen to me. The Spirit of God, this is how simple salvation is. The Spirit of God got on that jailer and he fell down before Paul and Silas and said, what do I got to do to be saved? What do I got to do to have this power? What do I got to do to know this joy? What do I got to do to know this forgiveness and kindness and compassion? What do I have to do? Paul didn't say, well, you've got to do this, that, this, that, and we've got to put you, we've got to initiate you into this. I know Paul said, you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you can get in this thing. Praise God. For by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourself. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Amen. Salvation is simple. The Bible says a wayfaring man, though a fool, shall not err therein. Now let's talk about salvation. Just about 20 more minutes, we'll talk about salvation. What is salvation? Listen to me. Salvation means to be delivered from sin. You cannot get saved. You hear me. You cannot get saved until you deal with your sin. You can believe until the cows come home. You can place your faith in whatever you want to. But until you deal with your sin in the blood of Jesus Christ, you're headed for a devil's hell. Preach it, amen. amen. Yes, sir. Huh. The Bible says about Jesus, when, when he, they came to his brother, they said, he shall be called great. Talking about Christ. He shall be called great, for he shall save his people from their sin. Let me tell you what's great about Jesus. He saved me from sin. Praise God. He didn't just save me out of hell and didn't just save me for heaven. He got me out of sin. Praise God. 
Amen. He's the greatest man that ever lived. He didn't save me in my sin. He saved me from my sin. Yes, sir. You can be, let me give you three things. You can be saved from the penalty of sin. Romans 6.23 says this, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. That's simple. The gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. Let me tell you something, friend, this morning. Sin has a consequence. Sin has a punishment. Sin has a retribution. Sin has a sentence. But I'm glad Jesus Christ can annul the sentence of death that is on us in his blood. Thank God. Let me give you an illustration. When I was an old boy, I, I had my daddy. My daddy passed away at 50, when I was 15, and I got his old 1967 Chevrolet pickup truck. It looked like Brother Jackie's old truck. And, and man... That thing had a little old six-cylinder, and the only place that it would do 70 mile an hour is going down the other side of Buzzard Roost. And every time I went down through there, son, I put her to the floor. It felt pretty good to do 70 mile an hour. Problem was, speed limit was on 55. I topped over Buzzard Roost one day. I was about 18. And I stepped on the floor, and I blowed. There's a car, a brown car there, and I blowed that thing away. And you know what? It was a state police officer. <laughs> you got it. He pulled me over. He cobbed me real good. I didn't tell him that was the only place I could do 70. <laughs> he wrote me a ticket, and I had to go. I, there was, I was underage. I guess I was just 17. I was underage, so I had to go stand before the judge. 17 years old, already in court. By myself. And boy, that judge, he looked down over me and that, that state police off Trooper Marcus. And Trooper Marcus got up and he got his little book and he, he gave all. And he, boy, he stated the facts. He told the truth about me. And I, I just sit there going. I was looking around. It wasn't nobody but me, mister. I had to take responsibility. And the judge said, how do you plead? And I said, guilty, sir. He went... $125, give me the next one. Now, I, why did you tell that story? There was nobody, I had to pay the penalty for my wrongdoing. Somebody say amen. amen. Sin has a penalty. And when we take responsibility, we're going to get the consequences of our sin. But you know what? I wish I'd have had somebody with me. I scared to death. I wish I'd have had somebody with me who said, wait a minute. This old boy, he's a pretty good old boy, and, and he just, you know, that's the only place he breaks the law, and, and I'll kind of, I'll take care of it. You listen, I wish I'd have had somebody. Let me tell you something about life. I've got Jesus Christ, and he's my Savior, and I've repented my sins, and he knows that I'm trying to serve him, but I'm not perfect. And these times, let me tell you something about your pastor. These times when I get on top of buzzard roost and I put it to the floor, I don't always live perfect. Somebody say amen. But I've got an advocate with the Father who stands with me in the judgment room and he says, I'll pay that penalty, I'll pay that fine, you put it on me, and I'll deal with him later. Thank God. Thank God we, we're saved from the 
penalty of sin. We're saved from the pollution of sin. Write these down. Three things. We're saved from the penalty of sin. Saved from the pollution of sin. Let me tell you something about sin. Sin will make you dirty. Listen to me, young people. Sin will make you dirty. It'll dirty you on the inside. It'll make you filthy and corruptible. Hey, you know what dirt does? Dirt makes you sick. That's why we got hand sanitizer, because dirt makes you sick. That's why we got soap. Amen. Dirt makes you sick. I mean, go out here and get you a good bite of loam right out here in the yard. You're going to get worms, pal. Dirt makes you sick. And we're so afraid of germs. I mean, we got soap in the bathrooms and we got, hand, we got the hand sanitizer and we got a system here that cleans the air and kills all the germs. I say praise God for that, but we better realize that inside we've got something that'll make us sick and it's called sin. Amen. Sin not only makes you sick, sin makes you unacceptable. You ever been in public and somebody ain't had a bath in about two years. I, let me tell you something. That's unacceptable. Somebody say amen. Now, let me make myself clear. If you're a working man and you had a shower last night and you've worked all day and you don't smell so good, hey, come on to church. It's all right. But if you ain't had a bath in about a week, friend, you need to hit the creek first. I remember going down here to Damascus. There was an old boy. He was one of them hikers. Lord, have mercy. His hair was in dreadlocks. And I'll guarantee you his hair hadn't been washed in two years. You could smell him 40 foot away. Let me tell you something. I ain't preaching on somebody, but I'm telling you, that's unacceptable. Amen. And you know what? Sin not only makes us dirty, but it makes us unacceptable. Can you imagine? I mean, you could, listen, you could wash yourself clean as is. Put on that foo-foo water and go stand before God and you'll still stink if there's sin inside. Right. Amen, preacher. Dirt makes you unacceptable. Sin makes you unacceptable. And the Bible says, though thou wash thee with nitre. You know what nitre is? Lye soap. Granny's old lye soap. And God said, if you take granny's old lye soap and take a bath in it, your iniquity is still marked before me. Soap won't wash your sin away. Amen. Hand sanitizer won't get rid of your sin. Joy dishwashing liquid won't do nothing with your sin. It takes the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. It's that. I'm telling you, salvation's as simple even a child can understand it. How do I get washed in Christ? Jesus will clean you up, praise God. And it feels good to be clean. Somebody say amen. It feels good to be clean. I play pickleball. Well, I get so sweaty, and I go home, and my dog loves for me to play pickleball because that, when that sweat dries, I'm salty. And when I go home, he loves to just lick all over me. <laughs> and I just let him do it because I'm going to take a shower anyway. And he'll come, Lisa can tell you, he'll meet me, he'll claw at the door to meet me, and he starts licking. And I'm filthy. And he makes me even more filthy. Do you know what I do? I hit the shower, buddy. And there ain't nothing, there ain't nothing in this world like being clean. Amen. So it is spiritual. There is nothing in this world like being clean. To have a clean heart and a clean conscience. Man, I don't have to worry about what I said yesterday because I told the truth yesterday. Amen. Amen. 
I don't have to cover it up today because I'm just honest about it. I just got to, it just feels good to be clean. Somebody say amen. And I've got on that English leather. It feels good to smell good. Yes, sir. Praise God. So we're free from the penalty of sin. We're free from the pollution of sin. And yet, we've got to be free from the power of sin. Sin chains. Sin enslaves. Sin binds. Sin imprisons. Sin will hold you with such cords that even Samson himself couldn't break those cords. There's only one way to get rid of sin. And that's somebody who's stronger than sin, and his name is Jesus. Salvation is of the Lord. The Bible says there's no other name given among men under heaven whereby you must be saved. But to as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Power. You know what's wrong with Smith County today? They're powerless over sin. You know what's wrong with, praise God, I'm on preaching. You know what's wrong with the folks that's in the casino this morning? They have no power over sin. You know what's wrong with the people who woke up this morning with a headache because they got drunk last night? They have no power over sin. You gotta have power over sin and you can't get power over sin without Jesus Christ. Praise God. Listen, there's power in the person of Jesus Christ. We're saved from the power of sin. We're saved from the penalty of sin. We're saved from the pollution of sin. Praise God. Let me tell you something. I'm just going to be honest with you this morning. I don't usually do this. Well, I've tried to be honest every day. Let me tell you. (laughs) The illustrations I'm about to use are... (laughs) I dealt with a man this week, this very week, Living on the street, sleeping in vans, sleeping in the police station, sleeping anywhere he could, hungry. You know why? Sin, drugs, alcohol. Amen, preacher. You know why he's he's suffering all that? He's got no power over it. No power. Hey, Let me tell you something. Jesus will give you the power to throw that stuff away. Glory to God. We ought to all be shouting on that. Praise God. Listen, if you you got, listen, I'm looking at some nice Christian people. Y'all need to get into this with me. Amen. Get on in. The water's fine. (laughs) Y'all, listen. I'm not looking at people who slept in a van last night. I'm looking at people who got up in a nice home, drove a nice car, you look nice, you smell nice. You, I mean, listen, you know why? Because you've got power over sin given to you by Jesus Christ. Amen. Hey, we ought to be running on that and praise God. If you don't run on that, and I hope you sleep in the dirt tonight. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you something else I dealt with this week. I dealt with a man this very week by his own admission to me. I'm not going to give you names. He's a homosexual. I said, listen, the reason that you got a problem with your daddy and your friends and the reason you got all these problems on the job, it's your lifestyle, pal. Now, 
Let me back up. I said that very compassionately. I didn't preach to him. I said it very compassionately. And I said, if you get out of that lifestyle, if you, if you get to Jesus Christ and get the power to get out of that lifestyle, you'll find that God will heal some relationships in your life. Amen. That God will help you with your finances. That God will, he said, he said, I know. He said, you're telling me the truth. And he said, I'm telling you, this thing's an embarrassment to me. And I, my heart just poured out right there. And I wanted, it brought me almost to tears. And I said, I understand. That's got to be embarrassing. Listen, ain't that, don't you all think it'd be terribly embarrassing? Amen. But here was a young man confessing that. I said, let me tell you what you need. I'm talking about power. Has no power over that sin. But Jesus Christ can give you power over that sin. When the Bible says that Christ died on the cross, he took our shame. You know what that is? Our embarrassment. If you're lost this morning and you're embarrassed about your sin, Jesus Christ has taken your embarrassment and he'll identify with you. And he'll save you. He'll clean you up, praise God. He'll give you that which is eternal life in him. I say glory to God. Praise God. Man, we're saved from the power of sin. Man, what a blessing it is to be saved from the power of sin. And then once we're saved, oh, listen, the Bible says which we're born. You get born again. Here's how simple it is. Which we're born. We were born again. Not of blood. Now, it's not talking about the blood of Christ. It's talking about the blood of my Father. You don't get saved because who you are. Amen. You don't get saved because who your mama was or your daddy was. Amen. You say, preacher, that's real simple. We already know that. Well, it's funny. There's, not a, there's a church not spitting distance from here that believes that. Amen. They believe if you're born into that family and you're allowed to go to that church, and by the way, they'll initiate you into that church, and if, if they, you, they'll turn you away from the door if you've not been. You don't fit their criteria. The Bible says we're not born... Of blood. It's not a bloodline. It's not an inheritance. We're born of the blood of Jesus Christ. Then it says we're not born of the will of the flesh. You cannot earn salvation. You cannot merit salvation. It is God's salvation. is God's grace given unto man freely. You can have all the free stuff you want if you'll just get on your knees and repent of your sins. If you'll just come to Jesus Christ and say, yep, you're right, I'm a sinner, you're the Savior, I need to deal with it, let's deal with it, let's do business. Listen, you can have all the free stuff in the world. Amen. You can hit the jackpot, praise God, and I'm not talking about gambling. Yes, sir. Some people think they can do something. The Bible says, nor of the will of man. There's not a scheme of man. There's not an initiation of man. It's not a privilege of the wealthy. Salvation is of God. It says, but of God. Who were born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. I'm telling you this morning that I'm born of God because Jesus washed me in his blood. Amen. Praise God. Some people think, and i got to close. Boy, I felt, a, I, was, I felt pretty bad this morning when I got to preaching. Well, 
Some people think that they can do something, they can merit something, they got to be, they got to get their life, I got to get this straight or that straight so I can be saved. No, you just need to come to God like you are. And some people think, well, you know, I, I got to be able to keep this after I get saved. Well, let me tell you something. James said this, he said, if, if a man offends in one point of the law, he's guilty of all. Okay, now let's think about that. If I've got a, there are 614 aspects of the law. And I've got a chain that's got 614 links. And I'm hanging on that chain right over hell. How many links needs to break to put me in hell? Pretty good illustration. You see, if you offend... In one point of the law, God said you're guilty of the whole chain. How are we going to deal with that? Jesus Christ, the simplicity of salvation. Some people think, now think, what do you think about this illustration? Uh, let's say, man, you need to swim all the way over to England. We need to get to England some way. And you go out on the diving board at, at, the, at the ocean down there at Myrtle Beach and you jump out. 10 foot, are you going to make it to England? Probably not. But I go out on the same diving board and I get a run ago and man, I jump and I jump 20 foot. I did twice better than you. But am I going to get to England? Pretty stupid question. The same is spiritual. You're going to get nowhere until you get on the ship of Zion. And you can swim all you want to, but I'm going to trust the captain. His name is Jesus. I'm going to get on board the old ship of Zion, and I'm going to sail over there, praise God, because I know I can't swim. So God's provided a ship, and that's the cross. That's the captain of our salvation. I'm going with him. It's as simple as that. It's as simple. Salvation is being as simple in a person. Got to close. Why should I be saved? Why should I? Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. Heaven is as real as Chilhowee. Heaven is as real as Marion, only without the nut house. <laughs> yes, sir. Now, there'll be some nuts in heaven, but they'll have to get screwed to the right bolt. Hey, but hell is a real place. Somebody says, I don't believe in hell. Well, you wait to one five minutes in hell, you'll believe in it. The Bible says there's a hell. Jesus was a hellfire and brimstone preacher. You say, preacher, you're just one of them old-fashioned backwoods hillbilly fundamental Baptists. But let me tell you something, so was Jesus. Yes, sir. Jesus called hell a furnace of fire. He called it wailing and gnashing of teeth. He called it hurt of the second death. Let me tell you one of the reasons I got saved, because I didn't want to go to hell. Amen. What puts me in hell and you in hell is our sin. We don't deal with it. Amen. Let me ask you a question this morning. The Bible says, what would it profit a man? I've preached a simple message of salvation, simple as I could be, Lord have mercy. What would it profit a man if he'd gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Why wouldn't you deal with your sin? 
What would a man give in exchange for his soul? Calvin Coolidge was the 30th president of the United States. He was the most powerful man in the world, being the president of the United States. And when his son died, he made this statement. He said, when my son died, I don't want to be president anymore. You know what he meant? I found something that was more valuable than my presidency. I found something that was more valuable than the power that I possess. Now here's what I want to ask you. What would it profit you if you were the president but you lost your own soul? What would it profit you if you could rule the world and bring world peace and settle the pollution problem and all the social problems? What would it profit you if you lost your own soul and went to hell? Oh my. I want to ask you a question quickly. Is there one here this morning say, Preacher, I'm lost. I don't know Christ. You don't have to raise your hand up high, just in front of you so I can see it. Nobody's looking around. Just slip it up right in front of your face. Preacher, I'm lost. I need to be saved. I'm waiting. I'm looking around. Nobody else is. What about it? Anybody? Preacher, I need Christ. We're going to move on. I'm not going to linger the service. The Bible says there is none good. No, not one. The Bible says there's not a just man on the earth. The Bible says all we like sheep have gone astray. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Now, Christian, what about you? Do you have enough? Let me ask you a question. Look this way. I'm through. That's it for the invitation. Do you have enough power in your Christian life to keep you out of the hell holes of the world? Do you have enough power in your Christian life to make you want to go to church? Do you have enough power in your Christian life to help you clank down on your tongue when you need to? Do you have enough power? I'm talking about having the power of God. Do you have it? I can't answer that question. Only you can. Do you have enough power in life to live a Christian life on the job? Do you have enough power in your life to witness, like I did this week, to a homosexual, to someone who's living on the street, and tell them about their sin and about a Jesus who can forgive their sin? Do you have that kind of power? Good question. I'm going to leave it right there. Do you want it? You can have it. You can have it. I wouldn't take anything. I'm going to tell you what I prayed this morning. I said, Lord, I wouldn't take anything for the power of God. I wouldn't, if you offered me a million dollars and said, here's you a million dollars to retire, you can build the nicest retirement home and spend the rest of your days in ease, I'd say, you can take that million dollars and throw it in Gross's Creek. I'd rather have the power of God. Mr. I experienced it this morning. Hey, if you offered me all the lustful things in this world and said, you can have them all, I said, no, nope, I ain't trading it for the power of God. Praise God. What about you, Christian? Is that your attitude? Is that your relationship with Jesus Christ?